Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. In 2006, I loaded up a moving van and I moved to Florida from Indiana. That's a northern state. And I moved in the middle of July. Now, up until that point, I had been to Florida on vacation a lot of times but only in December, January, because that's when people from Indiana come to Florida. You would never go to Florida in the summer because why would you do that? You're trying to get away from the winter when you live in Indiana. So when I made that transition, it was a huge adjustment to the heat. Like the daily, unrelenting, hot humidity that just approached you as you walked out into it was something I had never experienced. And like getting in your car after it had sat outside and you just walked in, it's like a coffin of heat. And then you touch your steering wheel and it's liquid magma. You know what I'm talking about, right? Even if you're from here, you know what I'm talking about. But if you've moved here from like a northern non-tropical climate, you get this. When I moved here, none of my hair products worked. Like I had to discover a completely new way to do my hair. That was challenging. And I just just decided like, okay, sweating is a new way of life for me. That is just how I'm going to live now. So I lived here for about, I don't know, six weeks. It was, I moved mid-July, maybe two months. We got to the end of August. I'm not kidding you, the temperature dropped one degree. And I was talking to a group of my new friends. I had made a couple new girlfriends. And we're, we're in a group talking. <laughs> and one of them says one of the most insane statements I've ever heard anyone say to my little Indiana ears. She said, this is the end of August. She says, guys, <laughs> she didn't say it like that. I'm just trying to be funny. She said, guys, it's boot season. Okay, I'm from Indiana. We have four legitimate seasons. We don't have to pretend it's fall, first of all. There's a real fall. Like the leaves fall from the trees, it gets cold. We have winter, we have snow, the ground freezes, we have spring. These are real things for us. It was not boot season. It was flip-flop season. (laughs) And it was gonna keep being flip-flop season. And I hate to break it to you, but I've done my research because I felt like I needed to be prepared for this sermon. And Florida only has two seasons, a wet season and a dry season. You know, there's, there's some debate on some other seasons that we might have. The pollening, love bug season, hurricane season, my favorite pumpkin spice season. Summer one, summer two, summer three, hell's front porch, all seasons that are up for debate, but the jury's out. However, we just have to. But honestly, it took me about a year and a half of living here before I was ever able to tell a change in the season. And before I was even able to change my wardrobe, I was just in a summer wardrobe for 18 full months. 
And I'll never forget the day. I remember, I remember it because I was on a boat ride across the World Showcase Lagoon at Epcot one fateful February when I felt it, my first shiver. And I knew I was finally a Floridian. That was when I felt my first shift in the season. And up until that point, I had been in like a two-year summer. But I finally had a change in the season. So my question for you today is, have you ever been stuck in a really long season? You know, today, I think collectively, as a country, we've been in a really long season, the pandemic. I know we're tired of talking about it. It's, we're over it. And you know, all of us have been subject to forces that are so far out of our control, political forces, economic forces, and some of our entire job sectors have been wiped off the map. Our lives are completely impacted. They look nothing like they did in March. Some of our lives are kind of creeping back towards normal. We know what it's like to be in a long, hard season. In other ways in our life, we might be in long, difficult seasons too. I went through a really long, difficult season as a single person. I, my whole life, growing up, all I wanted to do was fall in love and meet Mr. Wright, get married. And I graduated college, graduated high school first. Saw my friends, some of my friends get married. Graduated college, some of my friends got married. Still nothing happened for me. Got a little older. Some of my younger friends started getting married. I got a little older. Some of the kids I babysat started getting married. Got a little older. Some of the kids I taught in children's church started getting married. This was discouraging. It was a long season. And finally, at age 35, I got married to the man of my dreams. Sitting right there. Mr. Kyle Moraine, he's the one that plays keyboard up there, just in case. Hands off, ladies. <laughs> but that was a long single season. And now, after being married, we find ourselves together in a long season of waiting to start a family. After about a year of being married, we decided we wanted to have kids, but we knocked on a lot of doors and we've had a lot of closed doors. I discovered I had endometrial cancer. God healed me of that, but there was a healing process. And thankfully, now we're actually, exciting news, starting the adoption process, which is exciting. <laughs> Super cool. But there's a waiting process to that, too. So these are all long, difficult seasons and it's hard to predict the end of any of them. And maybe you find yourself in the same place. Maybe it's not, you know, waiting to get married or a fertility thing. But maybe you found yourself in a season where things look really bare and stagnant and hopeless. You know, maybe you've been let go of your job and no matter how many interviews you go on, you can't get a call back. Or maybe you took a big risk in business or with a dream and it didn't pan out. You're wondering what's next. Or maybe you have like a huge decision in front of you and you've looked at every possible option and none of them seem like a good way to go. Or maybe you're facing divorce or bankruptcy and you're starting from scratch. Your life is just starting at square one. 
or you gotten a, you've gotten a bad report with your health, and no matter what you try, the status doesn't change. Well, I have good news for you today because at creation, God established seasons. And then after the flood and the earth was wiped out, he made a covenant with us and promised that as long as the earth remained, there would be seasons. In Ecclesiastes 3.1, it says, to everything there's a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. And if you read down further, I suggest you do. There's a lot of verses there that you can read. He talks about a season for a lot of different things. The upside to seasons is that they change. Praise God. God promises that seasons change. So if things are hard right now, it won't last. As cold as the winter gets, you would be absolutely crazy to throw away all your summer clothes on the coldest day. Because no matter how cold it gets, summer is going to come. And so many of us get in the darkest, coldest part of winter and make long-term permanent decisions, forgetting that we're just in a season. So the question is, how do you last longer than the season? So that's the title of my teaching today, Outlasting the Season. In the um, chapter of the Bible that we read in Jeremiah 17, there's a contrast here between the man who trusts God and the man who trusts in himself and in the flesh. And in Jeremiah 17, 5 through 6, I'm going to read this in the New King James this time. It says, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes the flesh his strength. Relying on the strength of the flesh is relying on yourself, your talents, your strength, your knowledge, your abilities, your provision, your capabilities. So listen to this. If your first response when something negative happens in your life is to start formulating your own plan, you might be relying on the flesh. If, when something negative happens, your first response is to dig down deeper in yourself, you might be relying on the flesh. If your first response when something negative happens is to just work harder, you might be relying on the flesh. If your first response when something negative happens is to just whip yourself into a frenetic panic of planning, we got any planners here? You might be relying on the flesh. If your first response when something negative happens is to call your mom, your boyfriend, your dad, your brother, your husband, your bestie, instead of calling Jesus in prayer, 
you might be relying on the flesh. When we trust in the flesh, Jeremiah says, we shall not see when good comes. Trusting in the flesh literally blinds us to the provision of God. It closes our eyes to God's hand in our lives. God can be standing there, hand outstretched with the answer, and we don't see it because we're relying on the flesh to provide for us. And I saw this in my own life recently, like illustrated for me so plainly. My husband works for a produce company. He works in accounting. And his hours were cut by 25%. That's pretty significant. And, you know, for the first couple weeks, we're like, we're fine. We'll deal with it. But after a couple weeks, we started feeling it pretty significantly. And so, of course, I started formulating a plan. You know, I'm making a mental list. Well, maybe he could get a part-time job. Maybe I can pick up some freelance work. You know, I should call so-and-so. Oh, look what she's doing. Maybe I could do that too. I have my list of things I can start working, I can start doing, I can start all the strings I can start pulling to make up this money. You know what I didn't do? I didn't pray about it. I'm just being real vulnerable here, guys. <laughs> I did not pray about it. And one day I was doing our budget and our bills, and I have this verse from Jeremiah sitting at my desk, AKA dining room table where I work now. <laughs> and uh, I felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit prompting me to pray instead of be in the flesh. And so I just stopped what I was doing and I decided to pray. And I just asked the Lord for help. I said, I don't know what I'm doing. We need your help, Lord. Give us wisdom. Show us what to do. Provide for us. I'm not kidding you. Within 48 hours, my husband's work called their company, their, his department, and said, hey, we've figured some things out. Everyone's getting 40 hours back. Yeah. He didn't have to ask for it. We didn't have to do any work to get that to happen. We just had to pray. And I had spent all this energy worrying and scheming, and all I had to do was trust in the Lord. But here's the problem. A lot of us are pretty talented. We have our networks. We know people. We're well-connected. And our flesh can get us pretty far. We can do a lot. But there's an end to that eventually. And when you rely on the flesh, then your strength begins and ends with you. Your provision begins and ends with you. But when you rely on the hand of God, there's a source that is literally endless. What would you rather draw from? Come on. So in seasons of difficulty, check your reliance. Who are you looking to? Who are you trusting? If your first response in difficulty is, I'll just get a second job, stop. Ask God for help. Wait on the Lord. Be still. Stop moving. And let God work. I'm not saying don't get a second job. If he tells you to, do it. But ask him first. 
Self-reliance and pride will keep you stuck in a drought season. It will keep you fruitless. It will keep you frustrated. You'll be a tumbleweed, tumblewood, a tumbleweed with no roots in a salt land. So I want to contrast that. What does the person whose trust is in the Lord look like? We've talked about the other side. I want to get to the good news. Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green, and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. So when my trust is in the Lord, I'm like a tree planted by the waters. And when the heat comes, don't get me wrong, it's going to come. The heat is going to come. The people who trust the hand of God instead of the hand of man don't have to dig down deeper. Do you know why? Their roots are already deep. Their roots are already spread out. They're planted by the water. And their roots are in the soil of his promise near the source They're not in the desert. They don't fear when the heat comes because their roots grab that water from down deep. And a planted person is not anxious in the year of drought and doesn't cease yielding fruit. So I can be in the toughest season of my life and still have hope. I don't have to have anxiety. I can be facing loss. I can be grieving. I can be completely rebuilding from the ground up and still be fruitful. I just have to outlast the season. And here's how you outlast the season, through trust. Sounds easy enough, right? (laughs) Easy for you to say. Trust is forged in trial. You guys get a bonus. The first service didn't get this whole part of my message. Aren't you glad you came today? Trust is forged in trial, and this is no more evident than in long seasons of difficulty. David, in the Bible, was anointed king at, age, at, a, at a very young age. That means the throne belonged to him. God's blessing was on him to rule. But there was a 13-year waiting period between when he was anointed and when he took the throne. 13 years is a long season. That is a long, hard season of waiting for a promise fulfilled. And during that 13 years, he was running for his life. It was exhausting. He was living in caves, in the wilderness, fighting to live from a jealous king who was threatened by him, threatened by his mere existence. And we see in David's life, he wrote almost all of the book of Psalms. And he wrote a ton of songs during this time, this 13-year period. And we see him writing some pretty gritty stuff. Because in this 13-year period, he developed a lot of trust in God. He cries out to God and says some really, really honest things. Like, I love this one. God, don't embarrass me by not showing up. I've given you plenty of notice. (laughs) How's that for a prayer? I love that. So we know his relationship with God was real, but we see him write things over and over again like this in Psalm 31.1. 
in you, O Lord, do I put my trust. This is in a cave. Psalm 57.1, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for my soul trusts in you. And in the shadow of your wings, I will make my refuge until these calamities have passed me by. We see him prolifically write over and over and over psalms that declare his position, unwavering trust in God. In this one situation, I love this. He's in front of a king that's about to take his life because he knows who he is. And so he just pretends like he's crazy, starts slobbering so that the slobber covers his beard just to get out of the situation so that he won't be killed. And after he does that, he writes this psalm, Psalm 56. But in the day that I'm afraid, I lay all my fears before you and trust in you with all my heart. What harm could man bring me? With God on my side, I will not be afraid of what comes. The roaring praises of God fill my heart and I will always triumph as I trust his promises. When your reliance on the flesh is broken, you realize that not only can man not help you, they can't harm you. What harm can man bring me? David had learned that reliance on the flesh was a road to an empty life and trusting God was the key to outlasting his season. In the trial, his trust was forged and he outlasted that season and came out the other side. So if you, want your, if you want to outlast a hard season, if you want to be fruitful in the drought, in the hot seasons, you have to rely on the Lord. So what does that look like? What does trusting in God look like? I just think of a, a hymn I learned when I was young. I think we overcomplicate it. We make it so hard. It's so simple. This song says, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus." just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord. What would we look like if we truly trusted Jesus and took him at his word? If we rested on his promises? I think we could be in the craziest circumstances of our lives but we could be fruitful in every season. We could be unshaken, unmoved, unfearful, unanxious, and a steady force for the kingdom. And you know, I wanna say this. When you're in a tough season, it's easy to look around and compare yourself. I think back to when I moved here and for that one individual, it was boot season. It was Pastor Amy, I'm just gonna say it here. <laughs> for Pastor Amy, it was boot season. For me, it was flip-flop season. We were in two completely different seasons in life. When you're in a hard season and you see other people in life making advancements, when they're in a season where their dreams are moving forward, great things are happening for them, and you're over here 
just trying to make it to the next day, it's easy to look at them and feel like you've done something wrong. You know, our word for the year is advance and defend. And you know, some people are in a season of advancing and other people are in a season of defending and that's okay. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says there's a time for everything. And maybe this is your season to defend. You might just need to be still and defend the ground, defend the territory that you've already won. And I think when we're in tough seasons, the enemy likes to do that. He likes to, to try to get us to give up ground that we've won a long time ago with God stuff that we've won through things long, long before from trusting God, trust that was forged a long time ago. You know, we've all been home for a long time, out of church. You know, maybe he might say, you don't need to go to church. It's been so long, things are okay. Nobody's checked up on you. They don't miss you there anyway. Or you don't need to tune in online. It feels so weird to sing in front of your TV. Or, but maybe you made a decision a long time ago in your walk of God with God that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will go to church. That's who we are. Don't give up that ground. Defend it, defend it. Or maybe the enemy is saying things like, you don't need to tithe, things are tight. God knows that, he gets it. Maybe you made a decision a long time ago in your walk with God, that you were gonna be generous. Don't give up that ground. Don't give up that ground in a long, difficult season. You've already won that. You've already won that with God. Defend it. In hard times and in dark seasons, it is time to defend and to take Jesus at his word, to trust him. And you need to say to yourself, you know what? The rain can come, the drought can come, the heat can come, the fire can come, but I am planted. I'm trusting Jesus. I'm taking him at his word. I'm resting on his promise. I'm not going anywhere. I'll be fruitful in every season. My life will bear fruit. And this season can come and go, but I'm not going anywhere. Amen. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.